Verbal intercourse. Verbal intercourse. All right, guys. Welcome to the verbal intercourse today. First off, before we get started, want to shout out all the mothers out there today. Happy Mother's Day to y'all. Um, hopefully, everybody got to somewhat see or communicate um, with their mother today. You know, dealing with all the COVID nineteen uh, tragedies and pandemics that's across the world. Um. Want to start? Want to also start out by thanking everybody that's out there listening. Um, I've been very pleased, and Jordan has been very pleased with you know how things are going with the Verbal Intercourse podcast. So, I want to start out by thanking you guys very much, and to keep on listening and sharing and subscribing to the Verbal Intercourse on Spotify, Apple Apple uh, Podcasts, and SoundCloud. So. Before we get started, um, I would say this past week has has been kind of shaky dealing with this this murder that happened. Um, looks like in April, no February, and it's just coming to light. As far as, it's just really coming to light within the past week and a half, I would say, and. You know, a video went viral and it shows these two white guys, Gregory and Travis McMichael, basically hopping off a truck and fatally executing and lynching black male by the name of Ahmad Arbery. So basically, it, you know, it's one of those things that just reminds us of all of the names uh, over the years that have been fatally executed either at the hands of policemen or or just normal citizens that just out killing people due to maybe the color of their skin or whatever they thought they were doing or anything to that nature so i'm gonna just start out by saying a few names because it's so many names but the names that came to mind were trayvon martin eric gardner freddie gray tamir rice alton sterling mike brown philando castile and the list just goes on and on and and uh, I'm gonna start off. I'm also start off by introducing my two guests that I'm very happy to have on. Um, start out by introducing Deidre Alexander and also David Fletcher. So I'm gonna let I'm gonna let David start off. Just tell me a little bit about yourself and and tell me a little bit about how this video that surfaced made you feel. All right. Um, so I'm David Fletcher. I am a federal criminal defense attorney based out of Nashville. Um, and my specific practice is I do death penalty defense. So all my uh, clients are on death row and the goal is to get them off death row. Um, as far as the video, usually I'm not the type of person that can watch those type things or whatever. It is pretty traumatic for me. Um, but I made myself watch this one, though. Um, which I can only watch it one time. And um, you always get the feeling of like, it, it, this didn't have to happen. 
Uh, there were a billion other things that could have taken place that could have saved this guy's life, um, even if they were doing the quote-unquote citizens arrest that they wanted to do. Um, but it also just, I feel like at this point, Black people are almost becoming numb to it because it happens so much. Um, so right now it's like, where do we go from here? So I've been at that place for the last few years since this has been happening. Whatever, where do we go from here? What's the best way to prevent these things from happening? Yeah, I feel I feel the same way, especially as a, you know, especially as a black male, because I think, you know, of course it hits all of us home, but. <laughs> But especially as a black male, because not only, you know, can you get murdered by the cops or um, get murdered, you know, by citizens or anything that's, you know, of that nature. But also, I would say our own people sometimes, you know. Right. But but of course, this ain't got nothing to do with our own people. This is basically about what happened um, at this particular time. So I'm going to go to you, Deidre, um, you know. Just introduce yourself and tell me how you feel about the video. Hey, everybody. My name is Deidre Alexander. Um, I am a longtime educator. Uh, I worked in the um, public school system for a while, but now I work in um, policy. Um, I always watch the videos. I don't know why I always decide to, to look at them, but I feel as though if I don't look at them, it's like I'm almost pretending like it did happen. I know that's not what what's happening, but that's just the way I feel. Um, even going back to Tamir Rice, I felt like as someone that used to be an, an educator, you know, he was 12 years old. And when I, after I saw that, like them shoot him down, not even in two, three seconds, I felt like I could watch anything after that, to be honest with you. Um, and so as far as how, how the video made me feel, it just makes you feel helpless. Um, like when you, especially just coming and standing in front of kids every day when I used to teach, you know, just standing in front of kids, you don't even know, especially African, black kids, that's what I taught um, predominantly. So it's just like, what do you say to them? There's no amount of education you can have. People will still look at you a certain way. Um, doesn't matter how you speak. They're still, you still, just because you're in this black skin, you know, you have all these preconceived things like placed upon you. Um, so all I can think about is, okay, what can, what, what are some actionable steps? So just to prevent things like this from happening. Um, and I don't even know what those answers are. I feel like we keep going around talking about this, uh, time after time after time. But what can we actually do? Because it's not us. Like, what can we do about it? It's it's other people. So um, that's kind of where I am right now. I just don't know, you know, what. That's why I'm really grateful for like this space to just have an outlet to talk about it. Because I know people just want to talk. Like black people just want to talk about it and have a space to listen. So okay. So I I feel the same way that both of y'all feel. Um, as far as what David was saying, that that word, that adjective, numb. I really, at this point, I feel numb to it because I mean, we we constantly have these talks. Every everything happens, and and the murder happens, and then you know we get up in an uproar, and then we're like, you know, maybe the justice system will will give us justice this time. You know, it's a video, it's a video, blatantly showing two guys hop up off a truck 
execute a black male in the middle of the broad daylight. And and then, if I'm not mistaken, the um, Glenn County District Attorney, Jackie Johnson, she kind of told police to just stand down because she knew the guys that actually committed the murder. So that just goes to say, and, and it and it and it goes back to the points where black people don't trust the justice system. So, as in some form of fashion, you're right, uh, Mrs. Alexander. Like, what do we do? You know, because I mean, we can only look to the justice system, or we, or you know, people take the justice into their own hands. You know, and then that starts other stuff. You know, so right at, at this point, you know. We we see these videos. I watch. I like you, David. I watched the video one time. I normally don't watch those videos because I mean we know how the movie ends. So mm-hmm. I mean we know how it starts. We know how it ends. So you know psychologically, I try to stay away from that because just 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 like him, you know, I like to run. You know, right. I might be I might be running in a neighborhood uh, or some of that sort, or you know. And somebody might just hop off a truck and shoot me in broad daylight, just like they did him for no reason at all. Right. So um, that that just leads me into, you know, my next question. Um, and I want to specifically ask David, since you're a defense attorney. Um, on Thursday, the father and the son were arrested with, with murder and aggra- aggravated assault charges and booked into the Glen County Jail. Bun has been denied. From a judicial system standpoint, ex- kind of explain that process for me, because you know everybody don't understand the process of um, how everything goes, and explain it from both, kind of explain it from both sides as far as like the plaintiff versus the defendant, because I'm sure different methods will be used. I'm I'm sure I'm sure you know the plaintiff will definitely, well the prosecution will definitely you know say look at the tape. But I feel like it's always a tape. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, at it, it the basic level right now, COVID then just like ifed everything up right now or whatever. So, mm-hmm. the um, I mean, it's all trash in my opinion. They should have been arrested a long time ago. If you were going to arrest them now, you could have arrested them on the same grounds back in February when this happened. It's like blatantly clear that the only reason these arrests came was because it's just you know national outcry right now which is you know annoying in and of itself but the way it'll go when things eventually start running or whatever so jackie johnson she's the da for brunswick uh georgia she's off the case the whole office is off the case because of conflict um the second da um he is a guy named da barnhill i can't remember his first name right now he was the second da to get on the case now he had familial connections with the two guys who, the two murderers or whatever. He had familial connections with them. He didn't jump off the case until the family, you know, said, well, you know, wait, this is a conflict of interest or whatever. He knows these guys or whatever. So if you uh, read about this stuff lately uh, in the last few, I guess, last few days, the developments are the Glenn County Sheriff's Department or the police department. They are kind of at a back and forth with the uh, district attorney's office. Basically, they're saying, you know, it was the district attorney who told us not to arrest. And she's saying, well, no, you know, we don't have arrest powers or whatever. The arrest powers are for, you know, from the police officer or the police department, which is true. Um, so the county put out, uh, they put out a statement the other day. And they were basically saying, you know, 
to encapsulate what they said, they got their, I guess, made the decision about whether to arrest these guys or not from the second DA, the DA who eventually got off the case or whatever. And he told them, well, you know, I don't think that there's probable cause to make an arrest or whatever, um, which is trash because there's clearly probable cause to make that arrest. But I'll get into later or whatever about why the defense, what the defense would say. But eventually, uh, once he got off the case, that goes to the current DA, Tom, I think it's Durden, Tom Durden. He's the DA now. So what will happen next is they have to wait until they get uh, the cases presented to a grand jury. So grand juries in Georgia, you can't even impanel them yet because of COVID. So the earliest that they may be able to call a grand jury is um, June 12th. And at the rate Georgia going now, that's probably going to get pushed back too. And so what happens when you call a grand jury, you get a, a, I guess a group of people from a cross section of the county and the DA goes in or prosecutor goes in and he presents the evidence. If the, the grand jury finds there's enough probable cause to bring these charges, which are murder and aggravated assault, then they get indicted. And once they get indicted, it kind of kickstarts the process of, um, you know, them having the defense and the prosecution going forward with like trying to take the trial, which I don't expect these guys to plead guilty at all. So it's likely to go to trial, which is probably going to be a year, maybe a year and a half from now that they'll actually go to trial. Uh, I am happy that, that we're at the stage, though, because if this stuff had never gotten out, we would have never gotten a grand jury or whatever, you know. Um, so from a prosecution standpoint, I think, from either side, I think that this is going to boil down to them saying, because as a defense attorney, the first thing I'm going to say is that, well, you know, while they did chase him and everything, they weren't planning on shooting him. They didn't plan on shooting him until he attacked them. They've already kind of started their narrative that, you know, the only reason that he got shot was because he started attacking those guys or whatever. And at that point, that's when the self-defense stuff kicks in or whatever. Um, and it's, unfortunate and this happens literally every time something like this happens where something is caught on video you have this small few seconds where something is out of the view of the camera and you don't know what's really going on so now the only word you have to take is the word of the people who shot um the victim and so now they have that little small you know smidge of just a few seconds to say well when we jumped out of the truck you know, I was just going to scare him because I wanted him to stop. And then he attacked us or whatever. And of course, when you see them going back into camera, um, the victim is trying to grab the gun or it looks like he's trying to grab the gun where he, you know, he ends up getting shot. And so I think that that's where the defense is going to, you know, basically they're going to put their case around him. Of course, the smear campaigns against the mod have already began talking about his, um, you know, previous criminal history, his family's previous criminal history. This was something that the DA, the second DA, this was something that he brought up and uh, when he was recommending that the Glenn County Police Department, did, uh, when he was recommending that they didn't arrest him or file charges, he was bringing up all this stuff, just irrelevant stuff or whatever. But, um, you know, I would like to be optimistic and think that this case is a little bit more clear cut than uh, the Trayvon Martin case because we do have things on camera. Um, but, I mean, at this point, you're talking about Southeast Georgia, um, very conservative area of, of Georgia. And I mean, I, I hope that it goes to trial. But at this point, we had all the stages where, you know, we're happy when we get an indictment. We had the stages where we're happy we're getting a trial. We had the stages where we're happy we're getting to a conviction 
and then you have the conviction of um I can't even think of the lady's name, uh, but the Botham Jean case where we get a sentence or whatever, and the sentence is going to be, you know, she probably going to be out in, you know, three to four years or whatever. So <laughs> it's like in every single stage or whatever, where we're, we're seeming, we're seemingly getting, you know, traction on getting justice for these people. Then you get to the sentencing phase and it's just kind of like, okay, but I, I, I do feel like that we may have a more clear cut case of murder than we have in the past because so much of it was on camera. Yeah, I can agree with you. I think, I, I mean, to me, you know, to us, it's gonna look clear cut. But I, of course, you know, when mm-hmm. they get up in the, when they get up in the trial, you know, it, when they get up in the trial, they gonna muddy it up. They gonna say, you know, what if, you know, he attacked me first, then I shot my gun, all type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you got two guys hopping off a truck with guns. Of course, of course, you might not stand still if you don't never never seen these people before. And you don't know what they're capable of. I mean, you know, and and all that right. type of stuff. Um, interesting, uh, com- interesting comment that you said, and you kept referring to the time that it's taken for all of it to go down due to COVID nineteen. Do you think the time? The, do you think the time is going to take? You know, the time of the events before the judicial process started. Do you think that's going to take a really uh, a real toll up in the prosecution? Uh, I think that it can. What I what I hate, and I feel like this is absolutely going to happen, is all hot with us now. You know, we're all like charged up, we're ready to go, and everything or whatever. But when the case really gets moving, though, it's going to be forgotten about. You know, and I feel like that the only reason things like this happen is because the country eventually puts pressure on these type things. You know, um, and so I do feel like that the pressure needs to stay where it is and keep going because. Like I said, I mean, if this had never gotten out, you know, and like national media didn't catch wind of this, these guys would still be out. And I mean, the police department be running like it's running or whatever, you know. Um, I don't know much about the new DA. I tried to look him up a little bit, but I wasn't able to get as much information as I kind of wanted to get about him or whatever. But, you know, if he's uh, a DA that, you know, is, is fairly progressive and he really wants a conviction, he'll go after it and you know that'll that'll happen on its own or whatever but um my fear is that this you know something big is gonna happen with everything and the unprecedented nature of COVID right now something else big is gonna happen and our minds are gonna get taken off of this or whatever because you know i mean at this point we're already dealing with um this right here situation uh, where the guy got killed in Indianapolis, and mm-hmm. just yesterday I found out just yesterday about the um, Breonna Taylor, the girl who was killed by Louisville police in Kentucky while she was sleeping in her home. Right. You know, um, is is and I mean, of course, these are the only ones that we know about now. That we know about, yeah. um, and it's just way too much going on. I feel like to where people are gonna for real give their energy into you know keeping this hot in the media or whatever. Um, so I mean, you know, and of course, when the trial starts, we'll be back interested in the trial, and everybody will be back on top of it. But I mean, it was literally the same thing with the both of Gene. Everyone was just so like, you know, we were like outraged at first, and then you had that, you know, investigatory phase where nothing's really happening. Then it gets to trial, and everybody's back on point or whatever, only to be disappointed. We're super happy that this conviction took, you know, they got the conviction, and then only to get the sentence that is kind of like. 
man, you know, of all things, of all egregious things, this man is sitting in his own home doing nothing. Yeah, correct. Yeah, that was that was crazy, man. It, it was just that that was crazy, and for for her to get like off like that, it was mm-hmm. it was even crazier. Um, so I'm yeah. gonna switch gears a little bit. Um, you know, with with the um, Jackie Johnson, uh, Glen County District Attorney uh, Jackie Johnson, she she took her time, uh, you know, pushing the case forward. She she kind of swept it under the rug, and the video came out, uh, which I think came from the friends of yeah uh, one of the, yeah one of the, one of their friends that recorded mm-hmm. it he put the video out because he thought it would, it would it would help them, which is. Mm-hmm. Just that just goes to show you like their mindset, right? Mm-hmm. They think they have the right to do these things. Like that's a whole nother conversation. But he put the video out because he thought it would exonerate. Like they would be cleared. Yeah, they would be cleared. So let me ask you this, Deidre. Um Since since it kind of looks like that county, you know, has an agenda of sweeping things under the rug and all that type of thing. Um, do you believe that the judicial process will turn out different from so many cases that we've seen be- uh, before that's been spotlighted that we think is okay? Yeah, we got them now, and then we get to we get to the trial and we get to the conviction for them to get you know three three years or be like George Zimmerman, be out really you know never get charged or I uh-huh. mean, come out innocent and everything like that. So, what do you think? I don't know. I'm hopeful. Um, and I want to go back to something real quick. And I want to let people know, like, you're, it's okay not to watch the video. Um, yeah. It's really important that we protect our mental health because that brings about, you know, so much trauma to go. Even when you go out into the world, like I was went for a run, what a, a walk run, <laughs> um, Friday. And I saw somebody who was also out and I got kind of nervous. And that's never <laughs> happened that's never happened to me before. Like, I'm like, okay, do they know I'm running? Like, I never had a thought like that. And so it's okay not to watch things like that um, just to protect your own mental health. But um, I'm, I don't know. I feel like in some cases, like with, with, with the Jordan Davis case, um, his person was convicted to 14 years in prison, but 14 years is nothing when you take a, somebody's life. Um, so we do have like spots where there are convictions, but the time they serve is is really nothing to to what they take away from family. So I don't know. I'm hopeful. Um, but I don't, I, I just, I'm at the point now where I'm just so like, this should, this should have never happened period. Mm-hmm. So we shouldn't even be talking about, are we going to get justice? This should have never happened. Um, and I think it goes back to the mindset of people like him putting that video out thinking, Oh, I'm going to help my friends, but the rest of the world is like that. Is this is that's crazy, you know? Yeah, so yeah. it just should have never happened in the first place, and that's kind of where I am right now. Um, they they've already started, like David said, they've already started this campaign against him, um, bringing up his past, his his past history. I saw a video this morning, um, allegedly showing him in the neighborhood coming out of um a, a house that was under construction. Um, all of these things to make it seem like they're justified in what they did. I don't care if he had just robbed two homes, you know, a car. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what he just did a minute before. He should have never been 
kill period period so that's kind of yeah. where i'm right now but i'm hoping I, I agree i'm gonna piggyback off that like before we talk about anything i don't give a damn if this man <laughs> took something from that house or whatever like we have to stop this narrative or whatever about what did this person do or what happened before you know because whatever happened it didn't like he didn't take anyone's life and his life should not have been taken or whatever and it's interesting that when the if you look at the two 911 calls that came out which is how this apparently started in the transcript the 911 dispatch it it you know multiple times on both calls said you know well what was he doing wrong you know did he do anything wrong you know they said that he was looking in the house um that was under construction and stuff um and I mean, the guy was like, you know, well, what did he do wrong? You know, and there was never a clear answer about what he did wrong. Apparently, this was a continuing thing where someone was burglarizing homes in the neighborhood. And I guess the citizens were fed up with it, which is how this boiled over. Um, but I mean, you know, I, I don't understand. I just hate that narrative of, well, you know, what happened before? I don't care what happened before. I mean, because what they did didn't have to happen. You know, if they were going to stop him, they could have stopped and tried to talk to him. I mean, there was no, and they there, this, there was this whole talk about Georgia's citizens arrest law, which I mean, it, they didn't even follow that. It, it, you can only do that in Georgia if you see in your like face, like in your presence, a crime happening. You can do it then. Um, but there was no crime happening though. You know, there, there's no evidence that any crime happened or whatever. So I don't know. That was a great point. I, I just hate that whole what happened before. What did this person do before? And as if doing what they did or what they were accused of doing, you know, justifies them being murdered. Yeah, it, you know, and they, and of course, like both of y'all saying, they brought up, you know, the fact that he was indicted in 2013 for allegedly bringing a gun to a high school basketball game when he was 19 years old. He's a child, you know. I was in high school, you know, mm -hmm, we all right. was in high school. It was people that had guns out everywhere you know, in the high schools, you know, but these are children, you know, children do dumb stuff. And it has nothing to do with, you know, what what he had going on at the previous at the at the present time. Um it also said right. that he was arrested on shoplifting charges. Like like y'all said, they building this narrative. It's no way possible that that I that we would have you know known that. But they trying to build mm -hmm. this narrative to to dirty up uh the case. I think in the Trayvon Martin case I think he might have had marijuana on him or something like that. Then yeah, he was he he was like suspended from school. That's why he was with his dad because he had marijuana at school or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that yeah, I just I just read something that was saying that uh, the the second day he was on there, and this guy I feel like he's completely like just biased or whatever, but he asked for um, a toxicology report, and I'm like, what what circumstances at this point? determines whether you need a toxicology report and i couldn't it didn't say whether or not that there was uh who the toxicology report was, was performed on or whatever but my assumption is obviously going to be performed on the victim um but i mean there, there's no need for for you to get a toxicology report on the victim or whatever because even if he was on drugs this man was minding his own business and who and who would literally well i'm sure some people will but very few people will just get you know, doped up and then go running the Georgia Sun. Like that don't right. <laughs> like, right. That, like like that doesn't right. that doesn't even make sense. Um so so this is gonna take me into my next question. The the hashtag I run with a mod began 
trending on Wednesday as supporters ran 2.23 miles in Arbery's honor, signifying the date that he was uh, killed, February the 23rd. Of course, since the mainstream streaming of innocent African-Americans being murdered by police and by other races, hashtags have been produced. Um, we've had marches. We protested in a variety of ways. But the same actions continue to happen. You know, do we at this do we at this point accept the fact that this will continue to happen? And in, in y'all eyes, what is the purpose of protests if if these things continue to happen? Because I think personally, I remember um, being in a clinical rotation and living in New Orleans when Alton Sterling got gunned down and. I went to the protest. I think it was downtown in New Orleans um, in front of a statue of a Confederate soldier or a general or something like that. And I remember going to the protest and feeling and, and feeling, you know, a little bit better about the situation because of the fact that it wasn't just black people there. It was also white people and it was other ethnicities there. So I, I personally feel like protest is therapeutic for for the people that are protesting but is it helping the situation though what 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 do you think um Deidre? i think it helps because it brings awareness um i think it i think it brings awareness to the situation um brings light gives the family a voice gives the victim it also gives the victim a voice um like during protests, um, people that are speaking are able to tell that person's side. Um, you get the media there, um, and that's for, and you get to hear like that person's story, and you actually humanize them to say, "Hey, they have a he has a mom, or he or she has a mom. She or he or she has a dad. They have siblings. They have children." Um, so I think I do think protests have a lot of um, you know positives to it. So. Do I think that's the only thing we should be doing? No, but I do believe that protests, um, they have a lot of positives. Now, as far as it being uh, election year with the hashtag and all that, with all different politicians, I believe, I'm at the, I, this is what I think. I think if you really care about um, what's happening, to, what's happening in our community, I think you will have um, policies to go to, to back up what you're saying. Are you drafting some type of bill, something um, in writing that's going to prevent things like this from happening? So um, that's what I would say to, you know, these people who are, you know, making statements. You know, I don't know. I don't know their intentions, with whether they're um, genuine or not. But I believe like once you get in office, we should hold them accountable to say, OK, what are you going to do to put things in place to keep things like this from happening? So that's where I stand on that. David, do you think the politicians, you know, to piggyback off of Deidre, do you think the politicians care uh, or is it just an election year? Because usually, you know, usually, you know, in election years, especially, you know, both candidates trying to solidify the black vote or whatever, uh, especially during a time like this where where everything is up in the air, COVID-19 it has really, you know, I feel like changed a lot of people's mind about Trump as far as the people that were supporting him. Some of them are kind of, mm -hmm. you know, going going astray to me. Um, 
but do you think, you know, especially fighting for the minorities' votes, do you think Biden, you know, makes a statement because he's trying to win presidency and Trump makes a statement, but he's, but, but you know, he's still going to be Trump. I think he said, he said it was heartbreaking, but to paraphrase, he also said, but there could be um, things that they left off the tape. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. So um, I mean, I, mean, I I think it's both. I think that they are definitely doing things for the election. Why would you not say things that, you know, what you need to say for an election? But I mean, coming from me, I, I particularly don't care or whatever. I care more about it's with the whole Kim Kardashian thing. People hate Kim Kardashian, but I feel like she be really like doing like, you know, for my clients, I be in Kim yeah. Kardashian inbox like, look, girl, like we need you. You know what I'm saying? And I feel yeah. like anybody who has that type of platform, I don't care who you are, to be honest. I, I can appreciate the fact that you are bringing more awareness to this or whatever, because I mean, we all, we are in our circles and things like that. And of course, you know, my, my circle going to be pissed off about it. With My circle always going to be pissed off about it. Uh, the, I run with my thing. Uh, one of the big things that after the first, after, you know, really hit national news. Um, I can't remember the lady's name who tweeted it or whatever, but she talked about how, she will no longer accept like her white friends just kind of sitting around and not like even bringing awareness to it or whatever. And being that like, I I went to Ole Miss Law where it was 26 of us in our law class, 26 African-Americans in our law class. Um, I always watch to see who's sharing what, you know, and who's not yeah. or whatever. And this time I saw more of my classmates than I had out of all, and this is so sad to say, out of all the black people who have been killed, you know, since the time I've been in law school, whether it was cops or by citizens or whatever, I, I rarely ever see anything. But I feel like, you know, one, you know, at this point, it's like, okay, we're all getting tired of this or whatever. But two, these are things that, you know, white people are known to do. They jog, you know, they they really jog. And so this is something that they can relate to more so than Trayvon Martin going to the store to get an Arizona tea or and walking home or, um you know, somebody's Tamir Rice, you know, they're having a child playing with a gun at the park and stuff like that or whatever. I feel like they could relate more to this or whatever. But um I guess when it comes to the I think the hashtags are needed, but one of my Facebook friends said something the other day and this is like my soapbox moment or whatever. He said that <laughs> so many people are gonna go he said so he said so many people y'all are y'all gonna do this hashtag and y'all gonna go run this two point two three miles and y'all not gonna go vote in November or whatever. And and on a general level, voting is what is the biggest thing that can help us. I, I'm not going to say curtail this because you can't make somebody not come shoot you or whatever. But one of the first things they taught us in criminal law or whatever is the, the purposes of, you know, like punishment or whatever. And one of the most important purposes of punishment is deterrence. You send people to jail, you give them, you punish them or whatever, because you want to deter them from committing this criminal conduct or whatever. So if we always have these people who are doing this and they don't see any real punishment from it or whatever, why are they going to stop doing it? I mean, why are they, why as a white police officer, am I going to not think twice about killing a black man if I know that? there's a really decent chance that I'm going to get off. There's a really decent chance that I'm going to still be able to keep my job and keep living life as I want to live life or whatever. But yeah. when we don't have people in office, and I mean, you know, we, we're always thinking about these big elections or whatever. We ain't never thinking about the state elections or the um, the local elections or whatever, the stuff that matters most to us on an everyday basis or whatever, where we're really putting people in office 
that can really change some policies, change some laws and stuff like that. And there are people out there. We just ain't getting them in or whatever. I mean, just with Georgia, Stacey Abrams, the, that race was so close. You know, that Georgia race was so close. And you have a situation where, you know, people just aren't getting out of vote. You know, at this point, they're like, the you know, no Joe or whatever. And hell, <laughs> he, he was not my pick. He, was, he wasn't even close to being my choice. You know, and, and it, Bernie Sanders wasn't my choice for that matter either or whatever. But at this point, we know what we got and what we got ain't for us, you know. So I can't tell you who to vote for with you know bump there i'm just be real you know don't vote for trump you know what i'm saying because we know what we got them I mean, things it's just it, it seems like every day we are surprised at the, the things this man says and the things this man does and it has just become more egregious every day and i mean if you know if this man get another four years i'm going to canada i, I can't do it like, I can't. <laughs> all right so but um, we but we yeah. gotta vote though we gotta vote you're right hey we definitely gotta vote especially millennials and and um, all the people mm-hmm. that just turned eighteen, they, they, I don't. A lot of them don't understand the importance of voting, but especially, you know, some some people, you know, you live in Mississippi, you like, all right, why am I voting for the president election? The same thing mm-hmm. gonna happen. Okay, I understand. Vote locally, <laughs> at least vote locally. You know, vote for right. your local. But you know what we are though. We, we come from Jackson, though, and Jackson is, you know, one of the most liberal spots in Mississippi, and it's the most Correct. urban area in Mississippi. So we don't see things as people in the Delta. When I was, you know, went to Valley, voter suppression is real in Mississippi, yeah. and it doesn't get talked about enough. It doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't get brought to light enough where the voter suppression is real. So while it seems like, you know, we really can't do something with a Mississippi has the highest population of black people in the nation. You know, there are things even in Mississippi that we can really change if we wanted to change, you know, but people just don't understand. Like I say, I mean, in the Delta, voter suppression is it's rampant out there. You know what I'm saying? In these really major white counties, voter suppression is rampant. And we don't see that because we come from Jackson, which, you know, you ain't your, your rights as a voter really hadn't for real ever been threatened or whatever, because the population of Jackson is, you know, 88 percent black or whatever. So we don't get to right. see this or whatever, So you know. And at this point, I feel like it's more so than just telling people to vote. You got to really get your people out there to vote, too. You know what I'm saying? You got to get your family out there, encourage them to go vote or whatever. Because, I mean, while we might not get exactly what we want in office or whatever, I feel like at this rate, I mean, it's anybody but Trump at this rate. You know? Right, right. So that that takes me to my next question. Uh, I'm going to let you talk a little bit about it DJ. um do do you feel like because I, i've been i saw diddy say something about um don't vote for joe because he doesn't have a black agenda and of course at this point a black agenda means you know ec- economically systematically um a black agenda would also include uh, include um, things such as um, addressing things such as police brutality, mm-hmm. um, edu- education, um, health disparities, yeah. which are, we're seeing, you know, very prevalent right now with the COVID-19 and African-Americans st- statistically having a high chance of being symptomatic with the virus and actually dying from the virus. Yeah. Do you agree with um, that Black agenda uh, must? Because I because of course, you know, we love Barack Obama, but I don't think he ever said, Hey, this is my black agenda. He did things that help out mm-hmm. a lot of black people. 
Mm-hmm. But he didn't just say, hey, this is my black agenda. And of course, he's heralded. Everybody loved Barack. Yeah. So what do you think? Um, so I saw I saw what um Diddy said. I don't I don't necessarily agree with it because especially um when it comes to you know what what people I call like the what we what we see as like the least what the least among us people that are really out here suffering and in poverty uh like generational um uh, poverty um just lack of education I don't think we ha- we have time to be holding back our vote <laughs> to you know I just don't I you know and he's in a whole nother tax bracket than what I am in and so yeah. He can say things like that. You know, it could be something totally. He could be trying to get some type of, you know, some type of deal done. You know, it could be anything. I don't know what he got, you know, because people that are willing have their own language sometimes. So um, I don't agree with I don't agree with that. We don't have time to wait to be holding our vote to be. We don't have time for that. Um, I don't agree with that at all. So that's why I stand on that. Yeah, I I feel you. I, I felt like it was. Oh wait, I'm sorry. Now he did put out. Um, Joe Biden did put out something called "Lift Every Voice." It's his <laughs> agenda. I didn't. I haven't read it. Yet. <laughs> so maybe that's. Oh, I didn't read it. <laughs> Lift every voice. So maybe that's what. Maybe that's the black agenda. I didn't read it, but. He he did put that out in his defense, um, so maybe that's what that is. You know, I don't know. Oh man, hashtag live for every boy. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> all right, all right, guys. So my last question is um, based around everything. So I'm gonna kind of put everything in a nutshell. Um, so of course, you know, everybody is suffering from the COVID. 19 pandemic in in some sort of capacity um and on top of that you got seems like within the past week you got a trend of slain african americans that um that it, it has come to the forefront basically you've had you know innocent killings of african americans that have come to the forefront um by people that are not of our color and for no reason at all so um of course, you know, with the COVID-19 really exposing the health disparities of African-Americans in their communities, especially with the fact that we don't have the access to, to you know, nutritious foods on a day-to-day basis. When you go in these neighborhoods, you know, you got a lot of fast food restaurants, you got a lot of gross, you got a lot of quick marts, stuff like that. And also, Right. And and then in liquor stores on every corner, pawn shops with guns on every corner. Then you got um, the educational system in these areas, in the African-American areas, in the in the inner cities where, you know, they, they might not have the funding or they or the teachers might might be so tired from dealing with other things that then to be able to deal with the students, you know, stuff like that. Do you think as a whole that I would say that black lives matter like in a nutshell because i feel like you know we're looking through all of this and all the systematic oppression COVID 19 has really exposed even more the systemic oppression that african-americans face on a day-to-day basis do david do you think that black lives matter at this point 
No, absolutely not. I mean, I think that if I think that if they mattered, then we wouldn't have to be having a hashtag saying Black Lives Matter. Um, it's you know when you think about it as a whole, it is just depressing almost to think about or whatever when you think about just how much you have to overcome or whatever. Um, and I mean, even in this moment right now, recognizing the privilege that we all have to to use these apps to to have an iPhone and stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And still feel like at the end of the day, you know, with my education, my, you know, lack of criminal history and all this or whatever, if I go out running, well, hell, at this point, if I don't even leave my home, I could be killed by the 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 same the very person that I'm paying out of my taxes and my check. You know, it's it's just it's disturbing or whatever. And then going to the hospital and not getting the care, the proper care that, you know, I would want to receive or whatever. And it, be, and it just keeps getting deeper, whatever, not wanting to go to the hospital because I don't have health insurance. You know, it's it's, it's, it's a cycle. Um, you know, I, I'll be optimistic and think that, you know, at some point it could be broken, but um, it's not going to be broken resting on other people to do it. It's going to be something that we have to demand and do on our own. Um, like I said, I have to keep my optimism all the time so I won't go into like a, a year long depression or whatever. But right. I do think that, you know, to some degree, to some degree, things that are moving forward, if if for nothing else, the amount of black people, you know, uh, black high school graduates, the amount of black people graduating, the amount of black people with like post back degrees and stuff like that is slowly happening or whatever. I just don't know if it's happening at a rate that's, um, fast enough for whatever for us to really really like kind of try to turn back some of this oppression or whatever or the systematic racism that like has been placed on us yeah yeah i think uh i agree with that i think of course i feel like we've made a lot of progress um as far as like our educational accolades um as far as you know our, our ability to have you know these higher paying jobs and get to levels of professional professional levels that maybe you know our ancestors weren't able to get to but also Mm -hmm. i i think that that we definitely have a long way to go because you know in in my field well well i think i read a stat today that they said one percent um african americans have um, a doctorate degree or something like that or you Mm -hmm. know and and i'm sure you know economically you know, if we got it together or if our parents had it together, we're still kind of, I would say, one mistake from being back in the hole. Like, I mean, like we won big time mistake from being back in the hole. And um, systemically, when it comes to health, I mean, Mississippi, you know, where we're all from, it's last in health literacy in the U.S. So not only are these schools you know, not teaching us everything that we need due to, you know, maybe improper funding and stuff like that. And um, also do our neighborhoods, you know, have all of these different places that like, like, you know, the, the, um, the uh, fast food restaurants and the quick marts and stuff like that. We don't, we don't even understand how to live a more healthy lifestyle, especially right. in Mississippi. Like we don't right. like 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 you know me as a physical therapist I go to home I, I do home health and I go to patients homes and stuff like that and you can talk about diabetes you can talk about um, 
um, COPD or hypertension and these patients, of course, they've had this disease or for 25, 30 years, still to this day, don't understand how to help themselves be more healthy. So, mm-hmm. um, and you know, eating healthy can be expensive too. And exactly. And, and the people that make these healthy, these healthy food marts, they don't put them in those neighborhoods because them Absolutely. neighborhoods ain't got no money. Right. So, right. So, so tell me how you feel, uh, Deidre. Yeah. I want to go back to something you said about um, with, especially as it relates to COVID um, and our school system, we saw that it exposed so much, especially with kids out in rural communities um, and some kids that are that live in you know our urban pockets as well because they didn't have access to the internet um, to even do distance learning. So right there, when kids go back to school, they're going to be already behind when they go back. Um, and then kids in, in rural communities, there's this whole broadband divide um, where it's I think they call it broadband disparity, where they don't have, even if they have the access to wireless internet, they don't have enough, um, I don't know what the, all the terms for, but they don't have all they need to even be able to download some of this stuff or even, you know, they will never be able to do a Google Meet because they won't have the broadband with whatever it's called to even watch it, to watch mm. it. So, um, and then like when it comes to like the food desert, especially in Jackson, where you go to South Jackson, they don't have a grocery store like thousands and thousands of people don't have a grocery store. That's just wild to me. But um, yeah, I just, I really feel like um, I know Black Lives Matter to me. And I think you said something really um, powerful, Nick, where our David, one of you guys said it, that we have to kind of start where it starts with us. It has to matter Mm -hmm. to us. I'm at the point now, I don't, I know there's this whole narrative about having allies and things like that. Um, which I, I agree with. I heard something really powerful. They talked about the difference between an ally and somebody that, um, you know, actually puts themselves in the line of fire. Like there's a difference between those two. Mm. So, um, but it starts with, I think it starts with us. I think once you get in a position, you have to kind of go back and teach people a better way. Your It starts with like your circle, your family members like your grandparents and like your cousins, like, hey, you know, you don't need to be eating that. You know, you don't need to be, um, you know, just watch watch what you eat. You know, have you thought about this, doing it a different way? So I think um, Black Lives absolutely do matter to me. I think COVID-19 exposed all of that. And I think, I don't know how we're gonna move forward with this. I hope our Black leaders and people are in that positions to actually make change, especially with all the funding that um, everybody across the nation is about to get from all of this. Hopefully that goes to um, the right places to actually get these people where they need to be. So I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm with David. You have to be optimistic because <laughs> if you don't, yes. you'll just be like, you'll be so angry. Out, you'll be angry all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I, I think I'm optimistic. Um, I see, I see a lot of, you know, of, of my peers, my my black peers, especially, you know, my classmates and people around Jackson, around Mississippi that, you know, that then branched off to different states or they still in Mississippi that are definitely um, reaching their goals and are mm-hmm. trying to make a difference. Yeah. And I and I and I think, you know, 
uh, specifically, you know, I can just speak for myself in healthcare. I think it's important for me to make a difference to inspire the youth to try to, you know, get jobs in healthcare and things to that nature or, you know, yeah. just speaking from my standpoint, because I can look at the percentages of African-Americans that I come in contact with on a daily basis that hold my position or positions that could be hired in mines or, you know, different health professions within which I work. And, you know, it's not many of us. So how are we going to become more health literate if we're not, you know, listening, get, getting it from people that look like us? Cause mm-hmm. I, cause I, cause I personally, you know, seen um, different ethnicities that have African-Americans treating them, you know, in a healthcare environment. And you're, to me, honestly, you're not going to get the same care uh, mm. as an African-American if it isn't coming from an African-American, for the most part. Some people some people don't, you know, have those um, prejudices or whatever, and they do a good job regardless. But I would say, you know, you know, your, your brother going to, a brother going to protect his brother, a sister going to protect her sister. Right. So, so, you know, so I think on my particular um standpoint i try to do my best to you know whoever i come in contact with that are thinking about um uh, professional careers i try to push them in you know my direction or you know whatever you want to do i just try to motivate and i think you know uh as we attain these positions that we try to motivate you know the youth so we can have so we can be plentiful in these careers and kind of push ours forward you definitely got to look back, though. I, I, I 100% agree with that. I always feel like we got to stop. We, we have to encourage our youth to be more than just athletes and, you know, musicians. You know, we mm-hmm. black people not always dominated the music game. You know, the, the, we, we got enough there. You know, we, yeah. we got enough folks in, in, in the, the leagues or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Where we dominate the leagues and stuff. Because, I mean, honestly, if you ain't no LeBron James, Kyrie Irving or whatever, you might be getting paid the same amount I'm getting paid. You know? Yeah. But we have to like definitely I, i'm the same way nick i try to like push people you know and it didn't particularly have to be law but something where you know because the, the, the you know it's, it's true that america loves our culture or whatever but they don't love us you know uh-huh. but we need to start being impactful in i mean right now the healthcare industry which is just so strange and stuff and, and look who's the people who are suffering the most the, the most deaths are attributed to black people you know, law, law enforcement, um, just things that are not, you know, like the typical, you know, and I ain't got nothing against people going to, you know, be basketball players, athletes and, and rappers and singers and stuff. By all means, go do that and stuff. But we, you know, we're we are way more than just musicians and, you know, athletes, which I feel like is what America looks at us to be the best at. I want to say this too. Um, coming from an education background, you would be surprised at how many kids don't even know those uh, professions exist. Um, mm-hmm. They don't even know what you do, Nick. They have no idea they can go be a lawyer, David. They they don't see the pathway, the pathway to get there. Um, they either don't see the pathway or they don't know about it at all. And so, um, I think it's really important that. Like you said, David, we look back and like let them know like this is what I've done. Like you can do this too. These are these are your options. Because a lot of kids don't even know, especially in our communities, that they have those options. They only know what they see on television or what they see in that like their pocket, their area. Because some kids probably have never even left 
their little neighborhood in Mississippi. Right, right. So I agree with that, David. All right, guys. So I'm going to wrap this episode up. Um, I'm very appreciative to have both of y'all on. Um, Thanks for having me. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Right. Um, Thanks for having got, me. Gotta gotta get both of y'all back sometime. Um, I want everybody to you know stay prayed up, stay safe, um, and Black lives do matter. So.